Yesterday morning, I was sitting on my front porch with our family dog, Edie, who is an English Springer Spaniel. She's loving and funny and playful and mischievous and oft-times downright stubborn. She fits into our family perfectly. Anyway, we were sitting together, Edie and I, she investigating the plants and the shrubs, I contemplating this sermon and having a conversation with God. Okay, God, tomorrow is my day to preach, and I have no idea what direction to take the sermon, especially in the middle of all the stuff that's going on in the world, like the virus and the politics and the illness and the poverty and the climate change and the tornadoes and the earthquakes, like I needed to tell God on in the world. So God, I said, what do I do? God says, well, what do you have in mind? I respond, well, these are pretty heady scriptures, and I'm not an academic, and I'm not a theologian. I don't know that I can do them justice. They are so complex beyond my comprehension and expression. God. Linda, what do you have in mind? I don't know how to make an intersection of all the scriptures with what's going on in the world today. Most of the people aren't interested in a 30-minute sermon, at least not in my church. It's just too complicated, and I'm pretty sure I'm not up to the task. So how about you, God? God, what do you have to say? Linda, what does your heart say? After pondering for a few moments, life can be tragic and unfair and unpredictable and downright difficult. And God, God, I know, I know that you'll be with me always through it all. God. Well, that sounds pretty good to me. Preach it from the heart. So my friends, I share with you my heart this morning. Today we conclude the liturgical season of Easter. For the last six weeks, we've been hearing accounts of Jesus' appearance and revelation to his disciples before and after his resurrection. And in the les lessons for today, we hear of what life will be like once Jesus has returned to God the Father in heaven. The Acts lesson is a description of what happened at Jesus' ascension, which we celebrated last Thursday. The epistle of Peter expresses the potential challenges that believers in Jesus will face. And John's gospel John's Gospel records the prayer that Jesus offered to God on behalf of all who have given their life to follow him. These lessons are packed, packed, jam-packed with observations and directions and theological truths, so much so that they can feel kind of heavy, almost too much to comprehend in one Sunday sitting. 
But there's one particular verse from the letter of Peter that caught my attention and I chuckled. Now, this is my heart part. This is where I say to you, I have kind of a weird sense of humor, but the first sentence just struck me humorous. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you as though something strange is happening to you. Well, what you say is funny about that. Well, it's not really the verse that's amusing. It's the connection that my mind made with the verse. For some reason, I didn't think about all the horrible things that are going on right now in the world around me. No, I had to go way back in my memory, and I thought about parenting. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you. Now, I don't know about you, your kids, your nieces and nephews, your friends' kids. I don't know if they were wonderful, angelic little cherubs, but that was not my experience. There were times during my active parenting years that I felt as though I was in a fiery ordeal. You probably maybe remember or have encountered those times of mild disagreements with your teenager, when voices are raised beyond the normal human being's decibel level, and doors slam, and tempers flare. Maybe, maybe you remember the tug of war with your toddler. And oh, of course, of course, I, my, my fondest memory is the kind and gentle way that I encouraged my child to clean up the disaster area called his bedroom. Fiery ordeal indeed. From the time that Jason, our eldest son, was two and a half, testing my patience was his full-time job. No matter how many books you read, no matter how much parenting classes you take, how prepared one may think they are, something strange, mostly wonderful, but strange, happens when we become parents, especially for the first time. Something strange had happened to the new Christian during the time in which this letter from Peter had been written. Actually, calling it strange is inaccurate because what occurred was a threat, a threat to their very existence because of their new identity as Christians, they endured persecution. Written from Rome sometime close to the end of the first century, this letter was to serve as encouragement for the Gentile Christians who were facing harassment. These Christians had become aliens in their own land. Christians in the Hellenistic world were viewed not only as suspicious, but as threats to society. Followers of the one known as Jesus the Christ were Christians, labeled Christians, and they became public enemy number one. So in God, John's Gospel, we hear Jesus ask for God's protection for those who have been given to him. Jesus knew that life for his followers would be difficult. And within this prayer, Jesus announced his imminent departure and 
with an expression of sorrow and reassurance. He recalls what he has done and what he will do for his disciples. He commends to his followers to love one another, to maintain a unity. He looks to the future and predicts what will happen to his followers. He calls for peace and promises and promises that God will be with him. He shows concern for the memory of his name, and he reminds him them that he will have a successor. In Jesus' prayer, we, you and I, are being entrusted with the message that God had sent Jesus to proclaim. It's a message of love, the love God has for us and the love we are to have for one another. And believe it or not, as strange as it may sound, Jesus entrusted that message to us, to you and to me, to carry on, to contemplate the work that God started in him and for us to carry that work on. This prayer that we have read is not a prayer in the past tense. Rather, it speaks to us right now, today, wherever we are, for all of us who have taken the message of Jesus Christ into our hearts and into our lives. What a legacy to be left. What an assignment to be tasked. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll date myself now, but maybe you remember the um, um, old TV show, um, the Mission Impossible show, where the man is sitting on the bench or someplace and he has a cassette recorder. Yes, I know, that's really old. A cassette recorder, he pushes it, and when it, when it starts to run, the first words are, Mr. Phelps, here is your mission, should you choose to accept it? Are we ready to accept the mission that Jesus left for us? Are we willing are we able to accept the message that Jesus has entrusted to us and live it out? And if we say yes, how do we do that? How do we manifest God's love and Jesus' glory in the world? We do it by bearing the name of Christ, by living lives that show unconditional love, by working for justice and peace, by respecting the dignity of all people, we live out those promises that we made in baptism to be prayerful and forgiving, to be a witness to the love of, every, of Jesus, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to be respectful and caring and open. We, in, a word, in word and deed, are the living, breathing human expression of what we know as uncommon warmth and intellectual curiosity and holy compassion and deep, deep beauty. We witness God's love with every sack lunch that's handed out, with every pastoral phone call that is made, with a video that expresses God's care for children and families, in the offerings given to support the work of the cathedral and the various ministries here. Compassion abounds when we wear our masks, wash our hands, reflect on where we go and when we stay home. God's presence is made known through video 
and live streaming, through music and flowers, through prayers and sacrament. My friends, wherever you are right now, God is there. God is here. God is with you. Whatever you believe, whatever you don't believe, whatever your circumstances of life, maybe you are finding yourself right now in the midst of a fiery ordeal. God, God's with you. God loves you. When the life's fiery ordeals come upon us, and boy, they are in abundance right now. We can count on we can count on the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, to help us, to help us stand whatever, withstand whatever trials we may endure. The final verse in the piece that we have this morning from Peter's letter provides us hope for tomorrow and the next day, and the next day. He writes, And after you've suffered for a little while, and who knows how long our suffering will go on, the God of all grace, the God who's with you right now, who cares for you, who loves you, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen and establish you. God is with you. To God be the power forever and ever. Amen.